Welcome to the Mary Jane Experience. Unbiased, unabridged, and most of all, informative. From our mountaintop view here in Colorado, here's how we see the cannabis industry today. Let's look at weed. What's going on all you quarantined people out there in the world? Uh, Fans of the cannabis plant, we are the Mary Jane Experience back with another episode of the Mary Jane Experience podcast. One question for you this week. Are you down with MPP? Yeah, you know me. (laughs) (laughs) So this week, Strawberry Sequoia had the chance to speak with the Marijuana Policy Project about marijuana policy. Strawberry, how'd that go? What'd you talk about? Who'd you talk to? That's right. I talked to Violet Cavendish, who is the communications manager at Marijuana Policy Project. She comes from a social, social justice background. And she gave us an overview of how she got into something like marijuana policy, which she actually has a pretty cool little background. The company goals and mission. Uh, Something that I was curious about just to get out in the open is like where we are exactly as a country as far as medical legalization, recreational legalization and decrim goes and then how the process works. So, like, how do you create marijuana policy? How do you get this to work? Um, So, could we classify the MPP, yeah, you know me, as a lobbyist in a way, or or like a lobbying organization, or sure? I mean, they try and get ballot initiatives, and that's one of their kind of their main things. and so it was interesting to hear about that process, which I'll let Violet take care of because I am not the one to to go in You're deeper. You're still not a lawyer. Still not a lawyer. <laughs> um, but she also gave us the future outlet look, so predictions on what certain states she thinks are going to be dropping first. And interestingly, it sounds like almost every state really is on board and ready. It's more about... Mm-hmm. How are we going to do this? What's the right way? So, and of course, there's there's the holdout states that are just assholes about this whole situation. But as far as like citizens go, I think it's, um, I think she said something like 60% acceptance, acceptance rate of marijuana legalization, yeah, if the, not more. <clears throat> I've seen multiple national polls and it's, it's popular. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Super popular. And then something that I think is really important is just like how a regular person can get involved and help even with no budget or money or anything. Like what can you do as just Joe Schmo to be like, you know, this matters. I'm going to put in a little effort and help out. So super excited about this episode. I think it's really informative. It's interesting and it's important, especially with elections coming up all over the place. So let's hear it from Violet. But first, we got to keep the lights on. And this week's episode is brought to you by the International Church of Cannabis. If you remember, we did an episode with them and Lee Malloy about elevationists and the church itself. The International Church of Cannabis is the spiritual home to elevationists worldwide who use cannabis sacrament to enrich their lives. From our Sunday service to charitable outreach, the church brings a message of positivity. Therefore, in this time of crisis, we're holding virtual services. That's right. The church is holding virtual services online, and they invite you to join for free. Sign up at www.internationalchurchofcannabis.com or follow them on Facebook for live streaming updates. And in the meantime, stay safe and stay elevated quick note about our sponsor this week they are somebody that is always giving back to the community they let us host our women in cannabis events and this is a really great opportunity for anybody across the country and world to actually get involved with the church a little bit during these crazy times so i highly encourage you to actually check them out. They're really, really cool, and their church is just incredible. So no matter where you are in the world, definitely make sure to give that a a look-see. And it's a great, you know, maybe distraction from the current space. It gives you an opportunity to enjoy your weed in a community setting without actually having to be six feet 
near anybody. Yeah. Plus, the art is fucking sweet. <laughs> Absolutely. Just so we encourage you uh, definitely check out the International Church of Cannabis. But now we're going yes. to talk to Violet <laughs> from the MPP, the Marijuana Policy Project. Violet, can you just give me a little background on yourself and how you got into something like marijuana policy? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So I came into the marijuana advocacy movement with a social justice background. Previously, uh, my work had been concentrated on homeless services. And through that work, the issues caused by cannabis prohibition were really brought to the forefront for me and it was the first time I was getting a view of how it was affecting uh, Americans. Um, at the time that kind of came as a surprise to me but knowing what I know now it's really not surprising at all. Many of the populations that are most negatively impacted by the war on mar marijuana overlap with the home homeless population so it's unfortunately common to see these two things intersect. I would say Specifically, there was an incident I can recall where I was working with a homeless service organization where one of our clients was arrested for simple marijuana position. I believe he had nothing more than just a joint on him, um, but was arrested nonetheless. And I think he had a few prior charges for marijuana um, in his record as well. So... When he came into our office after this, it was our responsibility to speak to him about the situation, seeing that any arrest, and especially one that uh, has to deal with drugs, really limits what we could offer um, in terms of resources and help. Um, so we sat down and he started to explain the situation and he relayed to us that the reason he's been using marijuana is to help manage and reduce his chronic pain which is something that's very common within the homeless population along with many other ailments. Um, and he mentioned that the prescription medication he had been taking just wasn't helping as much as marijuana had been. So that really illustrated that there was a huge problem around marijuana and how the policy of prohibition is so problematic. And this experience was also twofold. So not only did it highlight that marijuana could be used as an effective alternative medication, it also highlighted that it's still used to criminalize people. So that is what really sparked my interest in marijuana policy reform and led me where I am today working for the Marijuana Policy Project. That's a really great story. I love, I, I guess, you know, you hear about the negative effects of prohibition in so many different ways, but not really that often with the homeless population, or at least maybe I'm just missing out on some of those conversations. So I love that story. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to see if you're not really involved in it. And that's why I, like I said, it came as a surprise. But now looking back, it's not surprising at all. But it's something that is impacting Americans across the country to this day. Um, I think for the third year in a row, FBI data reports that marijuana arrests have risen, it's most of them being for simple possession. Um, even though states are moving towards legalization, we're still seeing an increase in arrests, and unfortunately, it disproportionately affects certain groups of people, and just really still problematic to this day. Definitely, I mean, and there's also just general safety concerns for for everybody, right? With a with an illicit market. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's it's much more harmful to have marijuana be an illicit market than it is to legalize and have it in a regulated market. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine most of our listeners are pretty informed on that. So I'll, I'll breeze over it and okay. go right into, yeah. and if you're not, then let us know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but let's, you talked about, so you're now working for the Marijuana Policy Project. And can you just Tell us a little bit about that company and its goals and missions, what you guys do. Absolutely. So the Marijuana Policy Project has been around for 25 years now, and our mission is to change federal law to allow states to determine their own marijuana policies without federal interference. We want to see medical use of cannabis being allowed in all 50 states and U.S. territories as well, and then 
our ultimate goal is to see marijuana being regulated like alcohol across the country. We've been active on the state and federal level, again, over the 25 years. And we are responsible for, responsible for changing most of the state marijuana laws that have been reformed since 2000. Uh, so more than a dozen medical marijuana laws. We play the leading role in voter initiatives for adult use legalization in Colorado, Alaska, um, Maine, Massachusetts, Nevada, and most recently, Michigan. And we also spearheaded the campaigns that resulted in Vermont and Illinois becoming the first two states to legalize marijuana legislatively, which is great. Uh, Vermont, unfortunately, didn't legalize sales, but Illinois became the first state to legalize cannabis in the state legislature and allow for sales, which is great. And that just happened in June. So that was unprecedented, unprecedented uh, to this point. That's awesome. I probably would not be where I am today or talking to you even, or had started this podcast, had it not been for you guys. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to look back at. I mean, I wasn't working here 25 years ago, but I know that when the organization was first founded and first started advocating for marijuana policy reform, we were getting laughed out the door. And now it's just a completely different landscape and it has changed so drastically in the last decade alone. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit, um, like the general scope of legalization, where we are as a, as a country, you know, as far as, you know, medical legalization, even recreational decriminalization. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, what's, what's really going on out there? So right now, um, I believe it's more than 70% of Americans live in states with some kind of marijuana law, uh, whether it be medical marijuana, decriminalization, or a lot of that legalized um, marijuana for adult use. And you're seeing that the super majority of Americans support legalization and nearly all Americans support medical legalization specifically. So you're seeing this support grow and grow and more states are looking at how they want to legalize rather than if they should legalize. So the question there has shifted and 2020 is going to be a big year in terms of what states are going to try to legalize through the legislature and then which states are gonna have questions on the ballot that would legalize uh, cannabis for adult use or medical use. So we're seeing this grow and grow, but there's still um, some hurdles that you still have to jump. It's not inevitable as we often hear, that's not the case at all. Um, and what's interesting too, we're seeing the marijuana policy reform being shifted from, originally it was in the West Coast, and now we're seeing more socially conservative states um, consider it and make progress on it. We are seeing the Northeast really taking on a lot of cannabis legislation uh, as of recently and trying to figure out the best way to do it there. So it's growing across the country. It's no longer concentrated in certain areas. That's really cool. So it sounds like what you're saying is that most states are like, yes, this makes sense. We need to legalize. It's just more of a battle of like what's the right way to do it how do we go about it right paperwork yeah, <laughs> yeah. in 2019 um, I believe there was 27 states that had some le legalization bill introduced at the state level um, of course a lot of those didn't go anywhere but that alone is huge and just really says a lot on where we stand today definitely so what is the is there a process to changing these policies or is it just so different in every state? How do you go about um, digging in and helping out there as marijuana policy project? Right. So it is different on every state um, in a lot of different ways. Um, specifically, MPP kind of has two wheelhouses. We have ballot initiatives and we have um, advocating through the legislatures. And that's where um, most of our success has been on those two levels. So when it comes to ballot initiatives, the first question we have to ask is, does the state allow for a ballot initiative? Not all states do. And as we continue to change these laws through ballot initiatives, if that means if one state approves it through the ballot initiative, that's one less state that we can take that approach in. So if the state does allow it, the next question we ask, is there support in that state for legalization? 
um, because if there's not, then there's really just, it's not going to be a viable policy for us and it would be end up being a waste of resources. So we achieve answering that question through polling. Um, and if the polling ends up reflecting that a majority of the state re supports reform and that a ballot initiative is viable, then we can start moving forward in that state if we have the resources and the funding to do so. So then the process of gathering signatures begins, which is the first step to uh, getting the question on the ballot. And again, each state is very different, so they all require a certain amount of signatures to be gathered entirely, and then it breaks down into what percentages of what constituencies, and it gets really detailed from there. But if we do collect enough signatures and then they're verified by the state, then the question of legalization, whether it's medical or adult use, will be asked of the voters on the ballot, um, whatever voting day that is uh, coming up. So, for example, in 2020, it'd be on the November election, so on that ballot. So after all of those steps are taken, um, a campaign can officially kind of roll out. So that's really where like the meat of our efforts come from, but we always have to go through those steps first. So when that happens, we try to do our best to get a lot of grassroots volunteer efforts from people on the ground. We consider media and advertisement strategies to get our word out. Um, there's a lot of combating prohibitionists and uh, misinformation and stigma that we need to do. And then of course we encourage constituents to vote on the election day because then they'll be also voting for um, the question of legalization. Um, so yeah, it's very important for us to identify surrogates and gather endorsements in the state. So we need to drum up support locally. So if we're working in one state, but we have a spokesperson from an entirely different state, it might not resonate with the voters as much. So it's a lot of considering what will work best for that state. And that comes in terms of messaging as well. So each state is different. One message is not going to resonate the same if you're looking at a socially conservative state compared to a more liberal state. So it's a lot of deciding the best way to approach it. I will say that the biggest barrier we have when we are running ballot initiatives is funding. So in most cases, um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars are needed in order to just fund the signature drive to qualify for the ballot. And not just, as I said, the first step. So that is the biggest holdback. But it's also, we've had the most success so far through ballot initiatives. Uh, we find that when the voters are able to decide on legalization, they are more likely to do so than a state legislature might. Which brings me to our other wheelhouse of our legislative efforts, um, which is becoming more common. As again, I said, the ballot initiatives were running out of states that allow it. And, and on the flip side, legislators are more willing to take on this responsibility to pass sensible cannabis policies. So we're growing more there. So our efforts in the state legislatures really include identifying ally, allies, excuse me, and building relationships with legislative leaders, building coalitions with all sorts of different groups, patient groups, social justice groups, businesses, uh, to bring in as many different perspectives and voices to the table, and that helps with identifying the best way to approach it in that state as well. Um, there are situations that we're seeing where the state as a whole supports legalization, but a majority of the state representatives and state senators come from constituencies that oppose legalization. So this kind of occurs when support is very high in a limited number of constituencies, but low elsewhere. And then that's why a ballot initiative is more so the simplest way to effectuate the will of the people in that state. And yeah, so that kind of explains our keys to changing policies on the state level. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> I, love I know, it. yeah, so I just unloaded a lot. Um, no, yeah, that's it's just so fascinating. It is, and as I'm, uh, as I've said, it's just been changing so, so much and so quickly. So keeping up with it, and as I said too, it's not if anymore; it's how. So especially when we are working with the legislators, run through ballot initiative, which is just a straightforward question of like, do you support or will would you want to legalize marijuana? Yes or no. Um, 
you're looking at social justice issues, how the revenue will work, all of these details that are going through the legislation when it is done through the legislature. So it's very detail oriented and also takes a lot longer. So when we passed or when Illinois passed their legalization bill in June, we had been on the ground putting in efforts through their state legislature for, I want to say, six years. And uh, that was actually quick. We had expected it would take seven or eight years to pass legalization there. Um, but with the ballot initiative, it's usually in a span of one to two years we can get it done. Nice. So I'm, I'm like trying to imagine if you guys just, if you guys didn't exist, in a lot of cases, we wouldn't even be seeing any voting, any power, you know, from the people to even vote on these issues. Right. Um, yeah, there are other groups that are doing ballot initiatives and we're seeing more um, of the industry getting involved. There's a few states, I think, that are trying to get on the 2020 ballots that we aren't spearheading. And I think, yeah, mostly industry leaders, I want to say, are. So it's becoming more common, but in the beginning of marijuana policy reform through ballot initiatives, we definitely played the lead and kind of got things rolling. Um, but yeah, if we were if we were to completely be gone tomorrow, I would think that'd be really damaging for the state of policy reform in the United States right now. Um, I think it would come to a halt. While there are other advocates out there, we just have a history of success and have been doing it for so long that we know what works and we know how to do it effectively. So. Yeah, sorry, my dog is barking. That's okay. I'm going to just, one second, put him outside. Hey, that's not nice. Go ahead. Get out there. You know, go bark out there. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. That's all right. It's actually sorry my parents' that. dog, and I'm dog-sitting, so. Oh, fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. He's <laughs> an old one. I'm so sorry. So, anyways, well, getting back to our subject here. So, um, did you guys have anything to do with the farm bill? Is that, do you have anything to do with like the hemp side? We really don't play a role on the hemp side. Um, we don't advocate for hemp. Um, we are really just focused on marijuana policy. So while that was beneficial to our cause overall, because it's becoming more normalized now that people are getting the confusion over hemp and marijuana honestly is kind of beneficial in a way because it's bringing marijuana to the forefront even more um, but no we don't really play a role in any hemp legislation like that all right so obviously something that i think we all know and are pissed about still is that cannabis is still used to criminalize people mm -hmm. especially people like violet talked about in the homeless communities potentially veterans that are using it for pain where nothing else works maybe they have a couple priors and then you can just keep them down yeah it, it this is um one of those points of the of how the war on drugs has failed exactly because something like marijuana that is you know naturally occurring you can grow it in your backyard so far we've discovered minimal side effects except for like smoking things like that can be used to just keep people down exactly. and, and it really is a tool of the man even if you think about how it got illegalized from the get-go so again another another instance in which the point needs to be made the war on drugs failed it's over you lost yeah so <laughs> Marijuana Policy Project has actually been around for 25 years, and that's a long-ass time. Yeah. <laughs> that's know, before that's... any of this legalization or decriminalization is, was a, happening, obviously. Exactly. So they got some street cred. They've got some street cred. If you've been doing it that long, you're not just doing it because it's trendy, hip, or cool. You're doing it because you have really believed in this mission from as long as you could believe in this mission, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or as long as you possibly could. Yeah. And so, of course, so their mission is to change federal law to allow states to determine their own marijuana policies. 
much like alcohol. So they want they want to see weed being regulated the same way as alcohol, which just makes sense. Exactly. Um, so they're doing that through a lot of different ways. And one of the biggest ones, of course, is the ballot initiatives, which unfortunately takes not only a lot of time, but a shit ton of money, too. Um, so, you know, that's just the reality of, of anything like this when you want to get into politics. Yeah. Well, well, changing laws in general, is just it's expensive. Exactly. Because you got to pay for lawyers. So, you know, if you if you see this kind of work being done and you see it on the ballot, like just please vote, please, please vote. Yep. This is another good reason. Just it, just vote. Your vote does count. And yeah. very specifically on the state level where, you know, populations are smaller, which means that your vote counts even more. Exactly. So the good news is, is we're seeing support grow. So I think Violet said something about 60% of people support legalization now, if not more. The good news is, is that we're seeing support grow across the board. I think it's at least 60% of citizens in the United States support legalization efforts, if not more. And I think that's growing every day. So, you know, it's, it's coming along. It's working. It's it working. Is the thing is, and it's organizations like uh, MPP that are driving that, and and from the legal side of the world. You know, it's nice for everybody to stand out and be like, "Hey, we love smoking weed," but you know, policy does have to change, and it takes time and money, and they're doing it. So it's very cool. Exactly. So next up, we're going to talk about what states are most likely to get on board with legalization the All fastest. Of them. <laughs> That stigma is still the biggest barrier. Future predictions, we always love that. And how regular old normal people like yourselves, not that you're you're regular, you're you're extraordinary, really, but um, can help support for the fight to legalize. So here is more of our interview with Violet from the Marijuana Policy Project. And um so looking into the future, I guess, what states do you think are, are most likely to get on board with legalization and which do you predict to hold out the longest? Um, in my opinion, uh, I think the Northeast is going to start legal, legalizing in the next year or so because you're seeing New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Rhode Island, all of these states kind of get getting together um, in wanting to figure out how to best approach it. And there's been talk about a regional approach because the concern is, let's say, if you legalize in New York, well, people in New Jersey are just going to go to New York. And so if one does it, they kind of all feel the pressure that they all need to do it. So I think there's going to be a lot of movement made in the Northeast in the near future. Um, and we've already saw that New Jersey um, was very close to passing a legalization bill, but fell short ultimately. So I think that will be expected next. Um, we're also focusing our lobbying efforts in places like Maryland, Delaware, um, also Minnesota. We're hoping for some progress there for adult use. And then in terms of medical marijuana, uh, we're seeing the South slowly want to address it. Um, I would say they're the most hesitant in terms of overall marijuana policy reform. But in Kentucky and South Carolina, there's been a lot of push for medical marijuana. So I would expect those states to be next on the medical side. But overall, I would say the southern states are going to be the ones that are hardest to get on board for legalization. Um, and then you're also seeing progress being made in the Midwest. Michigan is now legalized. Illinois has legalized. We're focusing efforts in Montana, Nebraska, South Dakota. So it's spreading over there as well. We'll see what happens. Uh, South Dakota might be a hard one. Um, they are, the governor is very, very against it. And I think she's against hemp as well. So that might be a hard state, but we are seeing that the voters in that state do want it, um, medical at least. And then I would say, let me think what good way to put this. 
overall, I think once there's about 25 states that have adult use legalization, it's going to really take off. Like there's, we're already seeing how much revenue these states are making, how effective these bills are becoming and ways to make them more effective. And I think it'll help normalize this cause more. And as the normalization of it happens, you're going to see a decrease in stigmatization, which is something that obviously really makes people hesitant to want to reform these laws. Definitely. I mean, that's one of our big goals here is just the destigmatization so that everything can get better. <laughs> yeah. And I, like you're seeing a majority of Americans support this kind of reform, but there is that stigmatization that just still really exists and persists and really can affect sensible policy change. Uh, so it's great to hear that you're trying to dismantle it. It's very helpful. Yeah. I mean, it's surprising to even hear about these days, you know, anybody being afraid of, of hemp, like you were just yeah. saying. I think that has almost lost most of its stigma even though it is the same plant. <laughs> right, yeah. It's funny. So, and the other thing that you brought up that I just think is really great to see is the states working together. I heard that about the Northeast. And mm -hmm. are you encouraging that or anything of that nature with other states? I, I feel like that's a, I mean, I guess in the Northeast, it makes sense because the states are smaller. Right. Unless they're bigger. Right now, we are kind of examining uh, how it would play out. So they're just in the very beginning of stages. And if they did take a regional approach, that would be unprecedented. So it would be very interesting. I think it makes the most sense. Because um, as I had mentioned, if one does it, it, they're just so close and so small. Yeah, it's just, it's better for them to all kind of take it on. Um, but yeah, we've never seen that before. And it's the governors and you're seeing like the top officials that are the ones that are wanting to do it. So I believe that it has a real chance of happening, but we're still, or they are still in the very beginning stages of exploring how that would work and what it would look like. It would be a completely new ball game for us. Yeah. That's fascinating. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, definitely. It, it really would be interesting and it would, just knock out pretty much the whole Northeast then if that's what they went with. Yeah. Well, that would be cool. That I'm from Pennsylvania. So. Oh, great. Yeah. I live in Colorado, but all my family's still back there and they're like, help. I, I get that all the time. Well, the efforts in Pennsylvania, I mean, the governor's supportive. I wouldn't be surprised if they soon are making real progress for adult use legalization, but there's still some pushback in Pennsylvania for sure. Yeah, it is looking good. Um, Senator Dalen Leach is super in support. So who knows? It's a tough thing. I mean, I guess, what are some of the main oppositions that you're still seeing? Like you said, the South is one of the really difficult areas. Is that like, is that a religious thing? Is it just, I, I do you have any insight on that? Um, I really think one of the biggest barriers to passing marijuana policies is really stems from the stigmatization around it still and the misinformation about it still. So a lot of concerns that we hear from legislators are that, you know, well, if we pass legalization, it will increase marijuana consumption in youth. Um, and then but we see study after study showing that that's not happening. And in fact, some places it's decreasing. So there's that one. And then there's the gateway theory. Well, if we legalize marijuana, it'll lead to other drugs and people start using more drugs. And well, on the same kind of note on the gateway theory, if I legalize marijuana, then what's next? We're going to legalize this drug and we're going to legalize this drug, which is not the case either. Um, and then just other things like it'll increase crime, which again is unfounded. And then there are some more valid concerns, I would say, that we hear from legislators, such as there's no way to test for impairment, like when it comes to driving and employment protections and that sort of thing, which are valid. Um, there's been lots of research right now into being able to find an effective way to test for an impairment. And another thing I hear that's like pretty valid is there's argument of not enough research, but then you have to look at why there's not enough research. It's because it's a schedule one drug and like we really inhibits our ability to research it. So I think 
the biggest thing is, yeah, it's the stigmatization. It's just people are very, very unwilling to legalize because they're just filled with all of this misinformation still that, you know, really stems from the reefer madness and then is still affecting it today. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much along the, the lines of, of what we hear a lot is all these things that, that are no longer true. We found out, you know, this is not what happens when you legalize. Good things happen. It's Exactly. <laughs> um, and I think as time goes on and as more studies come out and more states do legalize and that they see, you know, it's not the end of the world. And I mean, look, you have Canada and they have legalized on the national level and, you know, they're not like up in flames. So it's, it's possible. And it's, it's, more helpful to do it this way than it is to keep with these prohibitionist policies are just very harmful in so many different ways. I also should mention that when it comes to medical marijuana, um, legislators are often hesitant to even go that far because they think that legalizing medical marijuana just means that you're either covering the fact that it'll really just legalize all marijuana, which is not true, or that it will lead to the actual legalization of adult use marijuana, which there are states that have legalized medical marijuana and then legalized adult use, but we have 11 states right now that have adult use and 33 that have medical. So it's not like every state that does it. It's not just the next step is that there's still many states that have medical marijuana laws that do not want the legalization at, on the adult use level at least yet. Definitely. And I do also love the point about research because we are always talking about just the hurdles that researchers have to take just to, to, to find out if it's mm -hmm. good or bad. <laughs> right. I know this. Yeah, there's, it's inhibits it so much and it's really hard to get around that. There's so many battles you have to take and it's just, it's just, it's really unfortunate. And I get that argument. So I said, it's like valid, but you, again, you have to see why it's like that. Yeah. And the driving one is probably going to just be really hard, but um, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> got nothing for that. <laughs> so one question that we, and speaking of the future too, but one question we ask everybody on our podcast is for their one, five and 10 year industry predictions. Okay, so on the national level, I would say in the next year, you're going to see the industry, I would say not much change. I will say there's going to be growth after 2020 elections, depending on which states legalize either through the legislature or the ballot initiative. So at the end of 2020, I think we'll start to see the industry growing, but not at a huge amount. I mean, it's already in the last 10 years, it's grown immensely, but we're not going to see a huge increase in this next year. In the next five years, I think the industry is going to be raking in a lot of money. And I think it's going to have a lot of different, um, it's going to be way more diverse than it is right now. Because right now, we're kind of getting stuck into this situation where only certain people with certain capital and influence and connections can get into the industry and succeed because of the federal prohibition causes so many problems, even if it's legal on the state level. So people aren't able to enter the industry and you're seeing states roll back um, uh, through expungements. So roll back arrest records through expungements, which are causing certain groups of people to not enter the industry. So I think as more states continue to do that, it's going to be a more diverse industry, which I'm really excited to see. And then in 10 years, I think the industry will be very normalized. It will be very diverse and it'll be very profitable. Uh, I think they will, it'll transform in a way that it'll see best practices it will change in terms of how it interacts with the public. It will, um, try and think of a good way to put this. It'll learn from the mistakes that are happening now, I guess. And the challenges are going to probably not be as challenging. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting asking so many people the same question 
because the one and the five have some similarities, but the 10, everybody is really optimistic about. And it's good to hear because yeah, it's long. yeah. Because if you just look at the last like past ten years, it's to think what could happen in these next ten years is just kind of mind blowing. Yeah, definitely. And ten years, it's going to happen before we know it. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully, fingers first. crossed. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, as we near the end here, I'd like to just um, open it up to you. If there's anything that. I may not be informed enough to ask you about or anything we missed, um, anything you want to um, I don't think we've touched on how people can help. Oh, yes, I'm sorry, I missed that question. And that is very important. Um, yes, so how can, if people care about this issue, how can they help? Yeah, so I love that question. Um, so there's so many ways that people can help and most of them don't really cost money at all and a lot of them don't take up a lot of time so even someone with very limited resources there's still so many opportunities to help the movement um first and foremost is the education on marijuana that's critical to passing sensible marijuana policies and to destigmatizing it so i mean like get out inform your friends and families on the issue you can write into your local newspapers about the need for marijuana policy reform and this will all help to dismantle the stigma around it and then it's kind of like the idea of see if you see something say something so if you do hear this misinformation be informed and be able to express um challenges to that misinformation i mean i'm not saying go to your thanksgiving dinner like completely ruin it but i just bombarding your family that might not understand cannabis but you know just trying anything you can do to be informed and inform other people another thing that is uh, helpful is to just send letters to your representatives in congress your senators and representatives about the need for cannabis policy reform and why you support it and what it looks like in states that have already legalized it if you are in a state that hasn't and if you are in a state that has just express the need for the federal level legalization of it um, and that there's ways to address it at that level. And then on the state level, it's great to meet with your state representatives about the issue. Um, personal face-to-face -face visits are so impactful. Um, they have considerable influence on elected officials. So if you have the opportunity to meet with your representative at the state level, that would be great. Just express how you feel about marijuana policy reform. Um, and then I will say if you are someone that has a platform, especially if it is in the cannabis industry, use your platform to highlight and promote sensible cannabis policies and as well as, and if not more importantly, reminding your audience that prohibition isn't over. It's still continuing. People are still getting arrested. It's still negatively impacting so many Americans. So just voice that to your audience. And then, of course, in a self-serving kind of way, uh, you can donate to Marijuana Policy Project so we can keep on continuing our work. Um, we wouldn't be able to do our work without the funding from our donors, and we want nothing more than to continue it until we really see an end to prohibition across the United States. Definitely. Those are really great things. And I noticed that you guys have a really great website as well with a lot of resources on it. Yes, tons and tons of resources on ways to help and then just to things that you can inform yourself on from decriminalization to full adult use of legalization, medical marijuana, common concerns and combating those concerns uh, where states stand. We track all 50 states um, with any kind of related cannabis legislation that they're considering. So it's really, really useful. Definitely. And we'll toss links. Um to all of that in the blog post that comes along with the podcast episode as well. Great. You can find your ways to help in an easy clickable form. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Um, well, perfect. Um, and with that said, since I totally missed that question, is there, is there anything else you want to add? No, I think we covered a lot and I hope your audience finds this informative and helpful and kind of, gives them something maybe they didn't know already. I think they definitely will. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share this kind of information. It's so important. It aligns with our mission 
as well. And it's just exciting to have the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. This was great. And thank you again for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Very interesting stuff. Topics topics we cover all the time and, and they don't ever I don't want to say like they don't get old, but it's always interesting to hear from a different perspective kind of all the same things that we're we're constantly trying to become informed about and inform the public about. But just another great um stance on all the things that we are discovering every day. Yeah, well, we're so appreciative to people like Marijuana Policy Project. And and they're not alone. You know, there's there's like normal, yep. which we super highly respect. But they're all just doing such amazing things. You know, here at the Mary Jane Experience, we're like this tiny little two-person team. And we're doing our best. But it takes people like Marijuana Policy Project to really get like big shit done. Yeah, we're and- definitely not going to court and fighting that fight at all. Yeah, I mean, we're fighting the like fight against your mom (laughs) is basically we're like, weed's okay, mom. It's cool, which I think is also really important. And that came up as well as like as an individual, one of the best things you can do to help is just word of mouth. Just spread the word to your to your fucking grandma. I mean, I actually did it recently at my grandmother's 85th birthday. I explained to her how cannabis is safer than alcohol. And she was like what (laughs) she's she's also 84 and comes from an era where that statement is insane yeah so i mean it's just like take a very real stance with your friends and family maybe you know think about using your social media platforms to say hey if you're gonna post a picture of beer why can't i post a picture of my edible yeah exactly um it's really hard to do like i find it hard because a lot of my extended family isn't necessarily they don't want their kids seeing it and i'm like well okay but you let your kids see you drink yeah so i think that this is you know it's it's my fight it's my hill to die on and i think it's important and, and also the education aspect so yeah you know do what you can. Stigma is is still there. And once we can get rid of that, we can start knocking down walls. Absolutely. And stigma will be killed by education. I think as we progress more and more and talk about this honestly, um, exactly. in, in multiple different fora, right? <clears throat> you know, be it a family party or your Instagram or whatever. Um, as we educate, it will become more socially acceptable. So education is obviously key and underlies this entire conversation. Yeah. Always has been. Um, Also interesting to hear that, which I kind of knew, but that uh, the Northeast is looking, we're feeling very optimistic about legalization in those areas. I mean, New York has been bragging. New York's been trying. Well, they brag, but they've also been trying for five years now, I feel like. Um, And it's, New York's tough, right? New York, it's one of the largest economies in the world. It's got... I, I just looked it up the other day. It's like 8 million people live on Staten or Manhattan Island alone. So that's just going to be a difficult market. But if New York does legalize, that's kind of a turning point for the whole of the Northeast because all those states are so – I almost called them countries. Uh, all those states are <laughs> – They basically are. Thanks, cannabis. Um, all those states are so small that, you know, if one is legalized, you could just drive and get your – cannabis and 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 it's just going to force the rest of the states because nobody wants to miss out on tax dollars if new york goes full recreational um that's going to change that entire conversation i feel like and it's going to be it's a tough fight and it's the fight that mpp is fighting basically yeah it'll be Um, so interesting to see how that goes yep and if you want to speed along the process obviously the education destigmatization but sending letters to your representatives meeting in person with your representatives and of course although it's a a bigger stretch but dollar dollar bills yo you always got to keep the yeah. lights on and organizations like this have to pay people to do their job so and another thing that that violet didn't say but i would i would put out there as something that is free and doesn't take very much time and is really helpful is to follow the marijuana policy project social media pages and engage yep. Um, it's something that that we find really helpful for our platform, and we appreciate so much every single follow and like and share. 
um, just Google Marijuana Policy Project or check them out on our blog and find all their social links. And if you support this this movement, support them on social. And if you support us, support them because they're the ones actually getting it done on a legal standpoint, whereas we're worried about education destigmatization on a personal level. They're actually changing laws. And so a like, a follow, you know, it's yeah. it's two seconds of your time. And it does go a long way because it shows support. That's almost a vote in a way. It's, it's a non-ballot measure vote. Yeah. I mean, when every little like is, is a, another little tiny piece of the puzzle being solved, a little yep. brick of the wall being unbuilt from <laughs> years of... Brick by brick, we will tear that wall down. Mr. Gorbachev. Yeah. <laughs> so again, thank you so much to Marijuana Policy Project for taking the time out to talk with us in their insanely busy schedule trying yep. to change the world for better. We so appreciate it. We're honored to talk to people like this that are really fighting the good fight. So yep, absolutely. check them out. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you're safe and well right now in these crazy times. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's the craziest time to be alive that we've ever been a part of. Although I did see today that uh, marijuana sales actually went down this week. Well, um, everybody already stocked and, up. And so it's funny because I think everybody just stocked up. Did toilet paper sales go down too? I'd be curious to see. <laughs> I hope so, man. How if, those you're, if you're hoarding anything, like, don't stop being a dick. Hoarding on, is man. not okay. All right. Well, I mean, fuck it. Like, you can <clears throat> hoard a little bit of weed. Yeah. But, <laughs> but toilet paper? Damn it. Good lord. Not gonna, they, they, and we were just reading all the dispensaries are open in some capacity, they're deemed essential. So it's all good. We're all going to be fine. Just stay safe, wash your hands, stay six feet away from everyone. Um, yeah, and don't be dumb. Don't Support go to spring break. Support local businesses in any way possible. Yes, take some, get some takeout food. It, it is fine. They sanitize anything. Anyway, all right, we're going down a path here. Uh, thank you, Violet. Thank you to the MPP. Thank you to everybody that listens to the podcast. We are the Mary Jane Experience. We can be found at maryjaneexperience.com. Every single social media platform you could think of, you could find our podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, you name it, we're there. Like, follow, share, be a part of the conversation. Just casting a vote and a like for the Mary Jane Experience is a vote for pro-cannabis. It's very easy. Encourage your friends and family. We appreciate everything that you do. Ask us questions whenever you can. Let's keep this conversation going. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And good night, potheads.